Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. How are you, Mina? I'm hanging in there. I'm pretty tired, but just taking it day by day. Got two little little ones at home, as I know you do too, and can relate to the chaos that that is, but it's still joyful and I really can't complain. So I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing all right too. The same. I, you literally took the words out of my mouth. So like we're on the same wave. So just before we dive into our conversation and talk about the amazing new book you have out and all the wonderful work you're doing in the world with Phenomenal, please let the Hey Girl listeners know who you are and what you do. I am a mom, a lawyer, entrepreneur, founder. I am the founder and CEO of Phenomenal, which is a women-powered brand that raises awareness around causes, culture, and experiences of underrepresented communities. And it's just been a really exciting journey for me to become an entrepreneur. Oh, I forgot kids book author. I know that's what we're talking about, right? I'm sort of an accidental author. And so that's also been just an amazing journey. But yeah, I was doing sort of, you know, kind of traditional career path and Mm -hmm. was a lawyer, a corporate lawyer for many years. And I'm now feeling like I'm, and you hear the crying baby in the background. (laughs) I'm doing it all. But, you know, finally, like living my dream and um, getting to pursue my passion, which as corny as it sounds is true. So that's who I am. That was a very long answer to that question. Oh my gosh, there's so many layers to us. So thank you for that. And I feel you 100%. I want to, I definitely want to talk before we talk about the book, but I definitely want to hear more about you transitioning from the corporate world, the traditional career path to starting phenomenal, I'm assuming, and then just kind of going with that and growing with your entrepreneurial mm-hmm. heart and efforts. Tell me a little more about that shift for you. Yeah, I mean, I I said I'm an accidental author, which is definitely true. And we can talk about that. I've joked that I'm also an accidental entrepreneur, but it's that's actually not accurate in that I've always known that it's sort of been in me, right? The creativity, the sort of, you know, entrepreneurial spirit starting, frankly, you know, from childhood where like I was always trying to like find a job, you know, like even just odd jobs and like getting paid for it or like asking, you know, neighbors if I could, you know, do work for them. And, you know, through a lot of my life, like, you know, college, law school, I always was sort of doing creative entrepreneurial stuff on the side. And nevertheless, I still as I said, pursued a pretty, you know, traditional path of going to law school and clerking, going to a law firm. I've also been in and out of the tech industry for a lot of my career. So, you know, going back into tech and, and doing policy and sort of legal-ish roles. But I kept up that that sort of creative stuff on the side whenever I could. And Phenomenal is an example of that. It The thing that I was sort of doing on the side was not yet what we know of, you know, Phenomenal know it as today. But I think it allowed me to sort of, you know, be ready 
for that moment when it happened. And it was a lot of moments that kind of came together, you know, including just feeling like I had frankly kind of checked enough boxes on my resume and had built up, you know, my career to a place where I felt, you know, comfortable to take that risk, so to speak, or to make that leap to really, you know, bet on myself and do my own thing. And I guess I, I kind of hesitate to even call it a risk, right? That suggests that obviously you can fail. And I think that that is the scary part of doing it. But you know, the other piece of it is like financial security, right? Like not at that point in my life being, you know, secure enough where I didn't have to depend on a stable salary. I had had, you know, two children and like I had child, right? Like we had our family and like that was working. Like there were just so many different pieces that came together. And then the other was just the moment of coming out of the 2016 election. And I think like a lot of folks, I, you know, like a lot of regular people were was thinking, you know, I have to do something, I have to do more in that moment. And then I decided to, you know, make a little t-shirt. And the point is, um, even in that moment, you know, it was never supposed to be a business or a brand or, you know, what it is today, but it was me, you know, deciding that I was going to use my voice and step up and do something. And no matter how small was sort of the, you know, little idea that I had, and it just blew up. It just became something so much, you know, bigger than I could have ever imagined. And I think, again, having had that experience of being a creative and kind of nurturing that whenever I could, I was able to see like, oh shit, this is the moment. Like, this is the thing kind of that you've been waiting for to like run to, right? I could have never guessed that, but it, it was right in front of me and I just knew. Again, I know that sounds so cheesy, but it was just all of these sort of intersections, right, of, of things kind of working out. And still, I, I never thought that I would be here talking about it, you know, four years later. But here we are, and I'm, I'm getting to really feel like I li I'm living out my passion and my dream. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So let's talk about the new book quickly. I bought it for my girls and it is so, so sweet. So important. Ambitious Girl is the title. Let's talk about bringing that book to life and what inspired you to tell this type of story for other young black and brown girls to see themselves in. Yeah, well, I mean, that was, there's a lot of inspiration for it and different sort of influences and motivations, but that was a primary one, which you just said, which is, for me, it was becoming a new parent and now with my now older daughter, you know, reading books with her, you know, since she was a baby, right? And reading a lot of the classics like Goodnight Moon and, you know, The Hungry Caterpillar and Brown Bear. And at a certain point, you know, we were taking brown markers and coloring, you know, the skin color in with a brown marker or, you know, changing the pronouns from he to she to they right and that there were not characters often that look like my black girls or like our family and as wonderful as those set of iconic pieces of children literature are that I mentioned um you know we know and I now know even more you know intimately both based both on personal experience but now really taking this up as an issue that I really care about which is that we still have a lack of representation and diversity in, in children's literature children's content um as well as you know the publishing industry right yes. who is telling these stories who's writing them who gets access mm -hmm. to to publish and I sort of you 
you know, so that was one inspiration and, and knowing the power of representation and, and also the power of books, seeing before my eyes, you know, this concept that you can't be what you can't see and mm. further watching my kids, you know, read books and wanting to be literally what they see, right? Again, we have a long way to go, but there are just so many um, examples of wonderful, diverse, you know, pieces of children's literature that do center Black characters now. And one of them, as an example, is a book about Mae Jemison. And my older daughter now, you know, says that she wants to be an astronaut because she had a, you know, a book that talks about Mae Jemison. So just really seeing firsthand the power of that, I thought, you know, what better way to make an impact and to do that than through this medium of, of children's literature. The other was also, you know, related to becoming a new parent, which was, you know, really taking seriously the, what I think is, you know, the duty and responsibility to pass on, you know, values and, and lessons that I was taught that, that were really important for me and shaping who I am and who I hope to, you know, help my kids and my family to be. And on the topic of the second book, um, it's all about, you know, the power of language and really focusing on this word ambitious and ambition. And, you know, family is one of the most important things to me. And and in that way, too, it's something that has inspired a lot of, you know, what I've done in my life, but both the family I was raised in, but also, um, as I said, the family I'm now raising and coming to understand, you know, as I'm navigating the world now as an adult, as a parent, that a lot of what I was taught is somewhat unique. And the family that I grew up in was for sure unique. And on that topic in particular, like I was, I, I saw every single day, my worldview was female ambition, right? Ambition, female ambition was something that was positive. It, it meant purpose, it meant determination, it meant drive, it meant, you know, having a dream and a vision and, and going for it. I also think that it simply speaks to the experience women of color and black women who are daring to, you know, succeed and achieve in the world, which again, is what I saw every day in my family. By definition, if you you are, you know, doing that, you have to, you have no choice but to be ambitious, right? So that's literally what my worldview was. And then getting, you know, into the working world and seeing that society tells us something much different, right? That ambition or female ambition more specifically is viewed as something negative that we use to critique women. It's, right. it's suggested, you know, that we should hide it, that we should downplay it. And we, as we, you and I are having this conversation, like I'm sure there's a whole list of words that we can both relate, you know, to that are, have been used against us in that way and right are, are we know our tools of you know o- oppression and harm and are intended to put keep women in their place right it is about power and wielding that and understanding that there is power in language and especially in you know in these instances we know that it's simply a double standard right we do not talk about male ambition in that way you know if a man is ambitious he's a go-getter he's a you know straight shooter he's right he's successful and in contrast I suppose to how I was raised where it was it was leading by example is what I saw I you know really thought now with my second book having done the first one like let's call this out <laughs> like let's name this let's put it in a damn book let's define this let's redefine this word right let's claim this let's teach our children literally that it is a positive thing here's how we define this and only you have the power to define what this means for you no one else gets to do that right and that there's real, you know, power and impact in doing that in a very direct way. And again, through the medium of, you know, literature, which we know, children's literature, which we know is often, especially for young, young kids, like how they're learning about the world for the first time, right? Mm -hmm. And in that way, I mean, in terms of this being, you know, an issue with society and culture and how we treat women and view ambitious women or, or female success, we know that this stuff starts young. We know that, you know, these 
cultural messages, right? And how we frame these things really start in our homes, right? Uh, and, and that's the work for all of us to do if we ultimately, you know, want to change culture and make a more equitable society. And, and, and you know, there's a lot obviously to do with that, but like start with your bookshelf, right? Like there are ways mm. that each of us can really, I think, you know, proactively commit to that, that work. I will say though, I mean, in many ways I wrote the book for myself as much as I did like my girls and for kids, right? I think again, we've internalized that. That's what we've been told, right? That, you know, ambition, female ambition means, you know, I don't know, like we're sharp elbowed or we're power hungry or God knows what, but the fact is we just don't do that to men, right? And again, I joke that like, I'm going to write an alphabet book of all the other words, right? Bossy, you know, confident, competitive, direct. I'm like literally going down the alphabet right now. I've been told, you know, in the workplace, oh, you're very direct, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can be, and it's sort of like, oh, okay. And so it's about reclaiming that power, right? Like not only is that not a bad thing, but that's a good thing. And it's something that should be celebrated. And we shouldn't, you know, have this double standard where men, you know, are celebrated for being direct and then women are critiqued for it. And um, again, the fact is that's the world we live in and it's going to take, you know, that work to really undo, unlearn and, and relearn. And I think it starts with, you know, teaching the next generation. Right. And I think part of it, frankly, you know, I know a lot of, you know, this conversation and what you do or in terms of parenting, it's almost, it's not only lifting them up and building them up and giving them that confidence and emphasizing the power that they have. But frankly, some of it is, you know, I don't want to use the word protecting, but it's preparing them for a world in which they inevitably will be told you are to this or to that, right? And not to allow that to be something that has the effect of making them shrink themselves or, you know, feeling insecure about who they are and what their place in the world is. And, you know, there's nothing I want more than, you know, to do my part as a parent, as, you know, someone in society to help, you know, to make somewhat of a better place for the next generation. And I think we can start with with language and, and these conversations. So as a mother and a wife and a business owner and everything else in between, I can't let us end our conversation without talking about self-care. So I would love to know how you're taking care of yourself these days, especially during pandemic and with everything that has been happening in the world. And also through the lens of self-care as an act of community care. I'd love Mm -hmm. to hear how you're pouring into your own cup so that you can show up in your roles as a mother and a wife and a business owner and an author and all the beautiful things you're doing in this world in a way that is full and rooted in commitment and groundedness. Well, I have to be honest. I mean, I've struggled with self-care and finding that like I was looking forward to this because I'm like I know I can get some tips from you because you are you know really at least you know good at talking about that right and reminding people of the importance of that and I'm like I I need to get some tips and practices from you because you're the expert here on that but I don't know I think you know what you said is spot on in terms of self-care being about community and there's two ways of looking at that one is which you said of you know making sure your cup is full so you can pour into others the other you know, which again, the outcome of it is not necessarily that I'm like treating myself better or like getting more sweet, but doing this work and having, you know, positive impact like that, those are the things that drive me and make me feel happy and full. And, you know, so I think it's the key is you cannot, you know, run yourself into the ground. And we know that when you do that, you are not, you know, performing well, and it's not good for your mind and body and, you know, relationships, all that. And I think for me, 
I, the way in which I've gotten better and I think sort of have started to think about a quote unquote practice is just one, having awareness, right? Um, I think we can get so caught up in the, um, especially as an entrepreneur, you know, in politics, like you're just running constantly, right? And it, it's, it, it's important to find those moments to just like, ask yourself, are you okay? <laughs> right? Like, are you on the verge of burnout? Like, how are you feeling? You know, and then I think the second piece is figuring out, I feel like the conversations we've had around self-care have sometimes overwhelmed me where it's like, oh, you have to have a consistent practice or you have to like meditate or, you know, right. these sort of things that felt like such a big, yeah, yeah like mm-hmm. a big commitment, you know, and I admire it. I aspire to it, I suppose. I really respect people that have, you know, the ability to do that, but it just felt like not attainable or realistic. And so instead, for me, it's just like finding those moments wherever you can, no matter how small they are and being intentional about them, you know, celebrating them. And so this is going to sound so silly and maybe depressing. Like, are you kidding me? This is your (laughs) self-care practice, but just drinking a shit ton of water in a a given day. Like there are are so many days where I'm like going, going, and I don't drink a sip of water, which is so bad for you. Right. But like, if I'm able to like chug a lot of water, I'm like, great. You've done something good for yourself. (laughs) You know, the, the point is if you are checking in with yourself and you're like, all right, I am really exhausted or I'm irritable or I'm not my best self, right? Like then understanding what are the things you can do both in the moment and in the long term to sort of correct that or, you know, give yourself the the break and the, and the rest that, you know, you need. And so sometimes it's just understanding that, you know, I need to close my laptop and like, mm-hmm. again, this sounds so depressing and it's like, are you kidding me? But like sit and close your eyes for five minutes, like just shut it out, right? Like, is that what you need? Is it, you know, are you going, have you been doing this in, in the case for me right now? I've been, was on the campaign trail for basically two years straight, right? right? Like, is there a way in which, you know, I'm able to kind of slowly, you know, get back into a better place of, of self-care that maybe it's like, I'm trying really hard not to do anything on weekends, right? Like, that's actually something mm-hmm. I'm trying to do right now. I don't always succeed, but just, you know, have those sort of I don't know, like goals or aspirations and then figure out how you can slowly, you know, work towards them. So, but I think that intentionality is important. So instead of it being like, oh, I'm tired, I need a a break. It's like, well, you told yourself like, you're really going to try to commit to this thing with your weekends and you're not going to be able to do it every time. But that is something that you are, you know, working towards, right? And like name those things and, you know, check in with yourself. So I know that's basic, but I do feel like I've gotten a little bit better, at least in in those ways. And I aspire to to do even more. (laughs) I was going to say, it sounds like your self-care practice is a lot like mine, which is literally getting back to the basics. I mean, I don't have a self-care practice these days. The pandemic completely shifted that. And then having babies 20 months apart completely threw that shit out the window. So it's simply washing my face like, or going to the bathroom, locking the door. It's not silly at all. Self-care is getting back to basics because we all can't or we all may not want to sit on a meditation pillow or do yoga or whatever some of us just need to eat a warm meal to lock ourselves in the bathroom to pee or to shower without our kids so I'm really glad that you shared that because it's not this beautiful thing all the time it's not this Instagram photo it's like did I eat did I drink water and that is absolutely self-care so thank you for sharing yeah I appreciate that I could not agree more and I think I've just become better at like appreciating those moments and I think that's a good thing too right to say like this is good for me and I'm thankful for that or you know your whole like washing your face yes or 
like, you know, taking, I know this is maybe not as good, like a environmentally, you know, good thing, but like taking a longer hot shower that's like uninterrupted by children. Like yes. that's been a big thing for me. I, the one thing that's on my list is like, uh, and this is not going to happen anytime soon, but I just want a bathtub that like only I can use, yes. you know, when I was traveling, uh, I would do it more, obviously we're not doing that now, but I'm like, I just want my own tub to soak in. That's not filled with like bath crayons <laughs> and bath toys. And it's just like a peaceful. So that is my big aspiration. I, I have to figure out how to put it in my house somewhere, which is not happening anytime soon. But um, I'll say another thing that's funny that I've been like, yay, go you in terms of parenting, which is, we've been really good with our kids, like from early on, you know, around boundaries, both in terms of like body and right, like just with strangers and, and things like that, but also within our home, which is like something as simple as like, you know, don't whatever, touch your sister without like, or violent in some right. cases. Anyway, the way that we've framed it around some things is like, you know, I need privacy, mm. which is so funny because then and I have try. you know, we're trying to potty train and she's like, please, I need privacy. And it's like, okay, I respect your privacy. Let me walk away. But anyway, I say all this because it's now it really works. So if you are, you know, there have been it, sorry, this is like TMI, but where I'm trying to use the bathroom alone. And I, if I just want five minutes to myself and like not having a kid in there, it's like magic words. Now I'm like, oh, okay, mommy needs privacy. And then they just walk away. I'm like, wow, that worked. So if there are any people listening that have, you know, young children and you're trying to figure out how to do that and you want to come up with magic work, you just have to be consistent. And then it also means that you have to let them use it against you sometimes too. Yes. To really... Uh, you know, work, but I'm like, oh, that was smart. <laughs> For real. So just to wrap up our conversation, I definitely want to ask, and you can take a moment to think about this. Um, I definitely want to ask if you were mentoring your younger self, what would you tell her? I think it's sort of related to what you were saying about the pandemic and kind of back to the basics and something that has, I think, been really important for me, which is, and I hope this doesn't sound super cheesy, but, you know, just being kind to yourself, giving yourself a break. I think I spent a lot of my, you know, younger years on this, you know, treadmill of checking like what I now referred to as like these prestige boxes. And I think a lot of that stuff was foundational and important, you know, such as just education and whatever. But I also think that there is this pressure of, you know, we know this living in a the capitalist society that we do around, you know, success and achievement and productivity. And I still, you know, whatever I've ascribed to that, like life or, or system and that I'm an entrepreneur. And, but I, I think what I've learned on my journey too, is just that like life is long, hopefully for all of us. And just to give yourself some space and to have, you know, confidence in, in yourself to know that if there are things that you want to do or dreams that you have or aspirations that hopefully you will have an opportunity to do them. And they may not happen overnight. They may not happen in five years or 10 years, but just kind of playing the long game and, and being kind to yourself along the way. And I feel like I've learned that for sure in my journey as an entrepreneur, where it really kind of happened somewhat, you know, the timing of it, the thing that I ended up sort of doing and building was unexpected. And it turned out not to be the thing that I was like actively, you know, thinking that I was building towards when I went to law school and clerked and then went to the law firm, right? I had no idea that that would end up being the thing. But I think the one, the key thing that we started with that I think was somewhat unintentional, but it just happened to be that thing that kept me going was I kept it up however I could. I was not able to 
do it full time up until last year when I finally leave my job to do it full time. But I still found ways to keep up my creative interests. Right. And, and, and small things that wasn't, again, like there's this whole concept of like the nights and weekends entrepreneur, right. Which right. again, suggests that you're just like grinding and building this thing. And maybe that is, you get to that point, but it's also like, you know, if you're interested in photography or you, you have a creative eye, like find time to look at YouTube classes and you know like there's just other ways to feed that and keep it up and you know keep it active and understand that you know we have our whole lives to like work and grind and and do all that stuff but ultimately you know it's about hopefully figuring out you know how to do what makes you happy even if it's on the side and not sort of the full-time thing that was such a like rambling response but and I don't know I, I feel like I see with Gen Z and sort of the next generations I think we are shifting culture around that and it makes me happy to see you know and it's something that I wish we had more you know had made more progress on when I was a young person to not have sort of so much of that that pressure put on us thanks for listening to the show today please rate subscribe and review also feel free to share with a friend we love having our community grow music is by DC's own Kokai